Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. We back, baby. We back, baby. Had to come back, baby. I keep it a hundred with every person I meet and every single street nigga I see. I keep it a hundred. I treat the women like they Happy Monday, happy Monday. Spend time around me. I keep it a hundred. The haters explain why I love to live life just being me. I keep it a hundred. What? Nigga, shout out iHeart. Shout out Freaker. Shout out Spotify. And I'm never late. Happy Monday, happy Monday, happy Monday. And it come featherweight. I used to grind for snakes, now my hunger's real estate. I'm eating, but it's time to change the size of my dinner plate. Spin the CD, use the trash for a paperweight. I shove bars, no longer interested in pushing weight. 92 plus say is how we keep it. Disloyal with your mouth for my young boy, keep it. Not far ducked off where he can reach it. What up, baby? be in the place they preach it. Nowadays, niggas living. You made it, you made it. Congratulations. Keep it on, keep it on, keep it on, honey, 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 and bring it on down, man, bring it on down. Welcome. I'd like to welcome y'all to your favorite show, Candid Talk with yours truly, Anthony Train Johnson. And first of all, I'd like to start off and say, if you made it here, I'd like to thank you. Had some technical difficulties. I'm sure you got a bing on your phone for a live update. And you came to a show that weren't even there. <laughs> I apologize. A little technical difficulties, but we are here live in effect now. Shout out to the chat room. Y'all pull up on me today. We're going to educate each other today. We're going to learn a lot today, man. Clash is definitely in session today. I'm very, very excited, y'all. Very excited, man. Because, you know, today I was thinking, I need some brain food, man. You know, that's what I go through a lot. It's a, it's a, it's a constant hunger to, to inform myself with healthy information. I don't mean like I need to know what's going on with Megan Thee Stallion. I don't need to know what's going on with Donald Trump. I need some real brain food. You know, something that you can feel feed your soul. Only, only a certain amount of people really feel this way out here. And that's what led me to coming across Mr. Dick Gregory. If you don't know, um, our candid talker today is going to be on Dick Gregory. Long time uh, activist, comedian, uh, civil rights movement leader, 
You know, he passed away in 2017 at the age of 84 years old. And the impact that he had on my life is profound. And I would like to share a lot of what this man has said and done. Because it is amazing to think about it on its surface. And the parallels that I have being a comedian, being an activist, and being someone that's a true speaker, just looking at and as a black man, he just became a hero of mine later on in life. And uh, we're going to talk about him today. And we're going to get this comment section wide open because we're going to be all over the place. Some people going to call it a conspiracy talk. I know. Calm down. It's not conspiracy talk. Calm down. It's truth talk. So I can't wait to get into that. I really can't. And I can't wait to take some time to uh, let my people in the comment section pull up. Shout out to everybody as always. Darnell Carnell. Rodney Clark, shout out everybody that's at Twin Syndicate Radio. We've came a long way, and we're still going a long way, man. I'm happy to be a part of the team, man. Uh, but let's start off, man. Let's get this thing jumping, man. Let's go ahead and jump to the polls of the week. I'm going to jump into this quickly, okay? Because last week, I'm going to blame you guys for this, because I was trying to chill. But last week, we had a discussion in which we discussed... Christmas giving gifts and women in giving gifts during Christmas time. And a lot of my comment section, you know, people, you know, hey, y'all kept it real. Y'all said women don't really give the best gifts and they really need to step it up. So me being me, being a martyr for the men in our community, I went out there on my Twitter streets and I posted polls and I asked questions. Because sometimes I go to Twitter just to tap in and that world and see what they think. And man, I did I get a response to our poll question. Do women give better gifts than Christmas? <laughs> do women give better gifts than men? That simple. 62% says no. <laughs> 62% says no. Women does not give better gifts than men. That's, that's something. Now, what came with this poll voting was some inboxes. All right. From some women, it says, you know, how do you post something like this? What do you mean? What are you talking about? This is the problem with you men. No, no, no. It was a simple question. Don't get your panties in the bunch. Excuse my language. But don't get all upset with me. It's a real question, man. And, and I'm sorry that the people, some people did not like the results of the poll. But the poll is the poll. I, hey, I ain't drunk. I ain't calling no fraudulent activity. I can't touch nothing. I just put it up there for the people to speak. And they have spoken, ladies. Please, st- the people have spoken. Don't be mad at me. They said 62% of the voters said, nah, hell no, nah, y'all don't give better gifts than men. Y'all just be coasting come Christmas and gift time giving. Woo! I, I man, don't blame me. You know, that's just one of the polls. Um, What's up, comment section, man? We got some fun today, man. We're going to look, but I'm telling y'all, I'm very excited about some real information because you can't get that stuff everywhere, man. I'm very excited to talk about some realness, man. I'm telling y'all, I'm whole, I'm trying to hold myself together because it's a lot of smart brains. It's a lot of intelligent people that's already listening in, in, in the comment section. It's very intelligent. And I just can't wait to hear what y'all think about certain things that were said and certain things that I've d- dug up. And hopefully some things may be new to you, some new some information you've never seen before. So we'll get along with that. But that was the poll for that situation. Moving on. Got another poll here. 
This is more along the lines of sports topics, and it says basically all the Titans, the Tennessee Titans frauds. It was eight and three, eight and eight and three team versus the Cleveland Browns. It was eight and three yesterday, and if you looked up, you'd have saw the Titans getting blown out early. I mean, Baker Mayfield had four touchdowns in the damn first half. What is going on? Tennessee Titans are supposed to be someone that we supposed to respect out here as a football team, and I, you know, don't get me wrong, the score looked pretty at the end, but they got handled. Let's check the polls. 83% say the Tennessee Titans are definitely frauds. Ouch. 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 Okay. So uh, that's that. And to move right along. <sighs> Darnell said he definitely voted on that. And I'm going to tell y'all, I'm going to have a woman on the show. I'm gonna bring, you know, I've been talking to some, some, some uh, good people. And I got one in particular. You know, like I said, I bring up every now and then. She was on the show earlier in the season. We had episode two or three. She wants to come in. She wants to talk about this because she thinks that we, she thinks we're being too hard on the women here at Candy Talk, y'all. She thinks we rolling a little too hard and we not, we not treading lightly enough. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna bring in a, a woman guest to give their perspective on all this, you know, because y'all know how we, how we feel. I feel like y'all feel. They need to step it up. <laughs> Moving right along. All right, y'all. I'm getting the bull crap out the way. I'm getting the uh, the light stuff out the way for the dinner because I'm excited to get to the dinner. So let's move along to our sports topics of the day. All right, y'all. The Giants, New York Giants, head of the NFC East. They are, they have a strong hold of the NFC East now because they shocked the world and beat the Seattle Seahawks, which I ain't going to lie, y'all, that shocked the hell out of me. I'm glad I didn't bet this weekend because I would have lost every bet that I would have thought about touching. These games were very surprising. They was, they was close. They were some upsets here and there. And I didn't expect no damn Giants to, to go in there and do that. I mean, they had Colt McCoy out there for crying out loud. <laughs> the hell? How, that's a whole other subject. For my my fellas, my sports heads, even my ladies, what the hell is Cole McCoy still doing in the NFL? Seriously, I mean, if if I mean, I hate to bring up the obvious with Colin Kaepernick, but if Cole McCoy can have a job, I'm sorry, but Colin Kaepernick should have a job. I know he's been years past since he since he played, but it's been years since Cole McCoy played. I'm telling y'all, I said, what the hell is Cole McCoy still doing with a job? Who does he know? Who is he kin to? This boy ain't never been good. He, what am I missing here? When was tell me a time when Cole McCoy was in the NFL and he was good? Can anybody? So how in the hell is he keeping? I don't understand how he keeps a job. I don't. Somebody fill me in. What am I, am I missing? Something? I mean, the Giants—they won the game yesterday, but he didn't go off. He didn't play tremendously great. As a matter of fact, they won despite of him. So. Uh, Cole McCoy, listen, Carnell. Cole, listen, one of my comments, commenter says Cole McCoy was that dude. Cole McCoy was that dude at Texas. Cole McCoy, I had a lot of love for him in college. I thought he was the truth, just like I thought with Johnny Manziel, just like I thought with Baker Mayfield. But these guys ain't they not really great quarterbacks. And then for the NFL, clearly not Johnny Football. Okay, so I don't know, but this is what I will say. This is what I will say. Walked off with a W. And for Seattle, I'm sorry. I got to ask all y'all frauds because I don't even know no more. 
I don't even know no more. The way y'all done played the last couple of weeks, I mean, I don't know what's going on. I don't know, you know, Russell and, and, and Sierra got some stress at home and he's distracted. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I don't know what the hell is going on. Okay. <sighs> so, comment section says, uh, yeah, Donnell said he had no idea that he was with the Giants. I had no idea Cole McCoy was still in the NFL. I said, man, this man has to be. At home or, or or used car salesman or on the car lot, ain't no chance in hell this man is playing football. And lo and behold, he hot, he right there ready. Football Sunday, he in there. He in there. That, that was their backup plan, him. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> I'm telling y'all, man, NFC East is definitely interesting. And now we have the New York Giants, which is injury riddled. They don't even have their best player in, in, in Shaquan Barkley. If they had him, dang, we'd really be talking about something right now. But I don't think we are. I really do honestly think that's going to come down towards the end. And it's going to come down to the Cowboys, the Giants, and we will say the Redskins too. Excuse me, the football team. I think this division is a long ways away from being done and picking a winner. But I'd like to say a little side note here for my guys at home. Huh, Darnell said Cole McCoy is better than Daniel Jones. Ouch. 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 Ronnie Clark said, uh, Cole McCoy, he is a good quarterback, but he has been injury prone. I, I don't know, y'all. Y'all give me y'all definition of good because I'm the, the eye test. I was looking like mm, I was squinting for years looking at him down there in Dallas like mm, I almost see it. Mm, I don't see it, you know, but on the side note, I don't know if y'all noticing that, but uh. I'm a Minnesota Viking fan, and we had a, whew, we they stressed me out yesterday. Boy, we had an overtime battle against the 1-10 Jacksonville Jaguars, but in the hindsight of it, with that win and the Cardinals lost, the Minnesota Vikings have squeezed into a playoff spot. We're in the playoffs! We're in the damn playoffs! Let's go! Let's go! Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You're far too kind. <laughs> Only weeks away from my just horrible, horrible uh, weekend where I, we lost to the Dallas Cowboys. Everything felt terrible. I mean, my food ain't even taste good at the house. <laughs> Nothing. Everything was terrible when we lost to Dallas. And you just fast forward two, three weeks later. We didn't win two, three games straight. Kirk, my favorite cousin, is playing all right. And we're sitting right here in the playoff spot at 6-6, six and six, in which we do play Tampa, who's a game ahead of us. It's time to go ahead and handle business. We're going to handle business, y'all. We're going to handle business. Okay? But um, moving right along. <laughs> y'all know how I get. Y'all know how I get. I'm cheesing when we win. And when, I'm, when we lose, I, I'm not that fun to be around. You know? <laughs> I'm not a sore loser. I'm more of a sore winner. You feel me? <laughs> Shout out to the Viking Nation, Skull and Nation. And comment section, you definitely can't comment if your team won this weekend. Shout out to your team. Um, them Philadelphia Eagles look like trash. I'm sorry. Uh, Carson Wentz, it's a wrap, buddy. It was a good run, as they say, but it's a wrap, man. He is a mental and physical shell of himself. 
And the reports have read that ever since the Philadelphia Eagles drafted Alabama, excuse me, <laughs> Oklahoma quarterback Jalen Hurts, transfer from Alabama, ever since they drafted this young kid, they said that Carson Wentz has been uneasy, not comfortable, worried, looking over his shoulder every two minutes. So that's why we haven't seen Jalen Hurts inserted into the offense, used like Taysom Hill was used down there in New Orleans. Because that was kind of the plan when they drafted him. They thought, hey, we can insert him in a lot of plays like, you know, they do with Taysom Hill. But they couldn't do that because Carson Wentz, confidence was so shaky that he couldn't stand seeing the boy on the field when he was on the field. He didn't want to hear nothing about Jalen Hurts. He could not take that. This man has gotten all this money with this huge contract, and he could not bear the burden or bear bear the uh, mental stress of having this young rookie behind him. Y'all see what Aaron Rodgers is doing over there after they drafted the quarterback? I don't know if y'all paid attention, but he's going hell off right now, looking like a damn MVP candidate. Don't know if you noticed. So that's the thing with Carson Wentz. I think, uh, honestly, where it's looking right now, he needs to change the scenery. And y'all know how that go. He might have to be a backup before he is a starter again, which is unfortunate because I cheered for him. I like the guy. I like his game. But it is what it is, man. You trash, bro. And we got to get you on up out the way. Shout out Jalen Hurts. Worked hard, man. That kid worked hard, man. He worked hard. He was in Alabama. He was winning championships. Tua came out of nowhere. He transfers. He becomes a better quarterback. And then he's in the NFL with the opportunity to be in a starter every week. So good luck to him. And best of luck to Eagle Nation because, man, looking at y'all play football is rough. <laughs> whew, I thought my Vikings was rough. Y'all, whew, whew. Anyway, moving right along, man, because I can tell y'all waiting on them meeting potatoes, man. Let's make some noise. Y'all got any more questions? Because I'm about to get this thing right. Let's jump to our candy talk of the day. We jumping right in. 16 minutes into the show. We jumping right in. Let's make some noise. Y'all know me. I can't wait. I got. I think I was never diagnosed, but I'm pretty sure I have ADHD or ADD or one of them. So the fact that something is major on my mind, it's like a bunch of rabbits in my head just running in circles, running, running, and running, and running. They're like, yo, can we get to the point? Can we get to Mr. Dick Gregory, man? And I think it's time, y'all. Now, as my setup crew sets up the sound and audio and all that good stuff, I'd like to give y'all a little backstory on why I particularly... Got a lot of love for this man. And, you know, I was very saddened when he passed away. Y'all got to look at this thing, man. This man came about, he was born in 1932, okay? Born in the 30s. He was born a young, you know, you know the story, young, poor kid growing up in the racist society. And he always had a knack for comedy through it all. Because, they, you know, if you really research comedy, you will learn that comedy comes from pain. You will learn that a lot of comedians out here have been through a lot of pain, a lot of trauma, and our best way, including me, because I've been through... Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. A lot of pain in my life. I've been through poverty. I grew up in a broken home with just my mom and hoping the lights stay on and my brother. And you know what I'm saying? And and I've been through all that. And that's where I think my pain was and where you just don't, you just learn how to turn pain into your into comedy. You learn how to turn it into something else. You use it, it fuels you, and you can use it to point out things that you may not get to point out by just talking regular to somebody. It's amazing how someone will listen to you more if they laugh. Isn't that something? You didn't think about that, did you? When you laugh at someone, you give them your attention. You give them all of that you have in that moment. So if I can get you wide open and laugh, I can insert information. I can insert a fact in there. I can insert through this joke. I can point out systematic racism or through this joke. I can point out how the the uh, system, the government system is a freaking joke. Like I, I can point out every different thing. Like if I can get you to laugh. Isn't that some Dave Chappelle uses it all the time. Dave Chappelle had given messages, but he uses comedy because he knows that he can get your attention, lock you in. If I go to a, you can go to a seminar and listen to someone speak and you could. You may or may not be engaged. You may or may not be engaged into what they're saying. But if they make you laugh, all of a sudden you're engaged just off of the laugh and all of a sudden your mind is open. And that's where why comedy is a very strong, um, a very strong way of communicating. And that's why someone like Dick Gregory, he broke so many barriers, y'all. He he overcame so much and I just want to just dive right in and let's just listen to we're going to go through some clips we're going to listen to CNN speak on his death and we're going to get some little backstory for my listeners out there who don't know who he is you will learn today and I'm telling y'all y'all sitting at home y'all YouTube y'all getting y'all phones and all that and you know after the show y'all you can just spend hours on looking up his material but let's jump right on in to the life and death of Dick Gregory Breaking political activist and comedian Dick Gregory passed away this weekend at a hospital in Washington, D.C. He was 84. Here's Roxana Saberi. For Dick Gregory, comedy was more than about making people laugh. If them cops are shooting your children, if they shot dogs like that, white folks would burn the police station down all over the world. He began breaking barriers by appealing to white crowds with witty remarks about racism in America. But there are a lot of good advantages riding in the back of a bus. Next time you get on the bus, you notice where that emergency door is located. (laughs) A native of St. Louis, Missouri, Gregory's first big break as a comedian came in 1961 when he filled in at Hugh Hefner's Playboy Club in Chicago. Gregory went on to become a national sensation. The Tonight Show with Jack Parr had him on as a guest, but as Gregory told CBS Sunday Morning this June, that was only after he demanded to be invited to sit for a chat. White comics could sit on the couch. A black comic could. Are you a good audience tonight and treat me nice because with President Kennedy's new housing bill, I might be your neighbor now. Gregory soon moved his activism from the stage to the streets to rally for civil rights and against the Vietnam War and police brutality. 
He was still using satire for social justice when he fell ill earlier this month. On Facebook this weekend, his family announced his death, caused by an aneurysm set in motion by what one of his sons described as years of severe fasting for social change. Gregory was 84. Roxana Saberi for CBS News, New York. All right, y'all, let's slow that down. Let's slow that down. Let's slow that down, man. Did y'all hear all of that? Did y'all hear all of that? The man was doing comedy and activism and doing activist work when he was approached by Hugh Hefner, who asked him to perform at the Playboy Mansion. This is the first time that a black man had performed for a predominantly big white crowd, big white stage. And what Dick Gregory done with that opportunity was then lead itself to a night show, then lead itself to comic, doing comedy around the tour. And in one point in his life, the man ran for president. Okay, so that is just a little backstory on him to start off. And there are a lot of things I want to dive into with y'all. I want to dive into what he was saying. He, he spoke on Malcolm X, on warning Malcolm X the day that Malcolm was going to die. And he also spoke on Michael Jackson. He spoke that, you know, he was friends with Michael. He was around Michael Jackson before he died. And he speaks on what really happened with Michael Jackson from his account. But I think what is very interesting, I think where I want to start off here is what he said about Malcolm X. So if y'all are ready for that, let's listen to Mr. Dick Gregory speak on Malcolm X. I love Malcolm. Malcolm called me the Sunday that he died. I was working Basin Street East. He said, Brother Greg, you, 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 you're coming by today. And I said, Malcolm, I love you. And I said, I love you so much, I don't even want to take a chance to be there. He said, what do you mean, Brother Greg? I said, well... I closed tonight, Sunday night, at Basin Street East. And I said, but I had my wife book me a flight into Chicago at 8 o'clock this morning. And I'm going to Chicago, and I had uh, way beneath my salary book me into a college about 10 miles from the airport. And I'm going to go there and speak this afternoon, and I'm going to stay there until they tell me you did. Because I'm not going to let this government get two of us for the price of one. And I'm going to call Adam Clayton Powell when I finish talking to you and beg him not to come there. Because today, the United States government is going to get you. Let's stop right there. Stop right there. Stop right there. Stop right there. Dick Gregory is speaking on a phone conversation where he had with Malcolm X before Malcolm X dies. In which he tells Malcolm X they're going to kill you when you go here to do this speech. And I'm not going to allow them to get two. In another interview, he says niggers. I'm not going to allow them to get two niggers for the price of one. Very powerful. And he said this on multiple occasions about how he warned Malcolm X the night before he died. And Malcolm was getting a lot of threats. And I don't know, maybe Malcolm didn't care about the threats. But this is very powerful right here that this man can say that he talked to Malcolm like, hey man, I know they are coming to get you. This 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 is the time they're gonna do it. They've been following you from state to state to state, and this is when they're gonna do it. And he further speaks on exactly what all went ha- what all happened and who was a part of and who was, you know, intertwined. So let's 
Let's dive back in because he says something very interesting here where he speaks about another man that was connected to Malcolm X and how this man was the source of Malcolm's, you know, open thinking and was, you know, in a way of getting Malcolm kind of, I don't want to say out of nation of Islam, but kind of showed him different lights. And um, let's continue on and let him finish this speech right here. And I'm not going to be there. I love you. I don't even want to take a chance of my heart changing. So I went to Chicago. And when they came and they told me Malcolm's been killed today, I got back on the plane and came back here. Malcolm was killed because of a, another brother named DePinto. A lot of Did y'all kiss it? He was killed because of another brother named DePinto. Researchers, all my people at home, Rodney, all y'all, research it. People thought he was African, but he was East Indian. He was born in Nairobi. He's the one that changed Malcolm's head from black nationalist to pan-Africanism and made that connection from here to there. And the government said, we can't let this happen. He's the one that persuaded Malcolm when he went to Africa and stayed seven weeks and met with all the real leaders. And then he's the one that discussed with Malcolm of bringing racism to the doorsteps of the U.N. And as Malcolm was being shot dead in New York City, DePinto was being gunned down in Nairobi. So don't tell me about no black Muslims. That's a fact. That's a fact. The same time, That's a fact. same time, yeah. Malcolm was being gunned down. Now, let me finish this by saying this. And you folks out there on radio, when we cut off, that's why you should be here. Yeah, y'all come on down. Yeah. We'll be here. We're not. You know, if you get here late, we'll be here next week. Just wait on us. <laughs> we'll be here next week. We'll be here next week. Y'all heard him. Hey, radio, y'all heard him. He said, radio, y'all stay here. Where you at, radio? He said, if you, you ain't here, then we'll be here next week. That's okay. Okay. Back at it. Now, let me show you how this white racist system treats black folks. The black folks that they got to kill Malcolm. Malcolm was standing on a stage like I am. They threw a smoke bomb in the back. When everybody got to watch the commotion, the brothers ran up with double-barrel shotguns and shot him. But under the Freedom of Information Act, we were able to get the autopsy of Malcolm, and all the bullets in Malcolm is going down. Now, I can't stand on this stage, and y'all down there pointing up, which means the government has such a low view of those black folks that would do it. They didn't even give them real bullets. They gave them blanks. And Malcolm was shot from the ceiling top. And also under the Freedom of Information, the CIA had been forced to admit that they rented the Audubon Ballroom a week before. And that's when they went in there and tore them walls out and put them guns in the wall and shot him from a downward projection. Did y'all catch that right there? Did y'all catch that? Did Gregory stated through the Information Act, the autopsy of Malcolm X came out in which it was shown that Malcolm X was not shot from a downward projection. He was not shot by the black men who held the guns out. And, you know, y'all seen the movie. 
but he was shot from that top floor of the auditorium by policemen. That was because they didn't trust the black man to get the job done. And also, they wanted to, if they didn't get it, they wanted to make sure they got it done. And they wanted to make it look like black people took out Malcolm X. Did y'all catch that? Because I looked this stuff up. I looked this information up, came to talk audience with Malcolm X. It's a bullet wound to the to the chin, to the to the bottom of the chin and the rest of the chest. The bullet wound comes to the bottom of the chin like it, it came from an upward trajectory. So here's a man speaking on. Speaking on Malcolm X death and, and telling the truth and letting you know that, hey, man, y'all can find this information through the Information Act and also an information act. The CIA was forced to say we rented out the auditorium weeks ahead. They rented it out to put, you know, fix the, the walls up there so the guys can be up there with the guns and not be seen. I mean, just riveting information. And, um... Cornell says Dick Gregory is lucky he wasn't assassinated back in the day. Dick Gregory definitely is lucky he wasn't assassinated. And it's also key to note that Dick Gregory was actually shot in, uh, I believe it was the 1990, uh, the Rodney King uh, riots. He was uh, over there doing that. He was shot doing that in the leg. He survived that. But Dick Gregory definitely is very, was very lucky he made it. And he speaks on this. People asked him, like, how do you feel that, you know, they haven't taken you out? And from his, from his words, Dick Gregory said, they can't touch me. He said, I'm protected. By my ancestors, I'm protected by a higher power. He said, I, I know, this is what he felt in his heart. He, he said, I know the game. I know exactly what's what and what's, you know. They can't touch it. You know, that's the way he felt. And um, he exposed a lot. Then, now, well, before he passed. And uh, we're just going to let him finish off. And I got some more information for y'all. That's what this game is about. But Malcolm lived a good life. Yes, he did. The movie did not portray that. Of course not. not. The movie was an insult. Yes. Now, this is Dick Gregory speaking on Malcolm X's movie, which I was a fan of. But now, coming looking back on it, I probably was ignorant for being a fan of it because of exactly what he's about to say. I mean, here my man get killed, ain't got no insurance, no money. Betty pregnant with twins, got four kids, and then have two more, and then go ahead and raise them and go on and get her a doctor's degree. Uh And in that old heathen movie, they ain't got room in that to tell me about what Betty did. But can show Malcolm snorting coke and having sex with a white woman in a car. This is a black person that did that. And then show Malcolm putting his head in a toilet. Now that's in the book, page 122. Malcolm has never put his head in a toilet. So if that shows up in the book, the conspiracy goes all the way back to Alex. Who didn't write Malcolm, nor did he write Roots. A white boy, the senior editor of Playboy magazine. Murray Fisher wrote both them books. And as we stand here now, them two books makes about seven to eight million dollars royalty right now every year. What you say? Then how come when Alex died, 
they had to auction off his stuff to pay off his bills. How come they didn't attach his royalties? Because he don't get no royalties. That's the game. Now, if y'all didn't catch that or not, this is Dick Gregory speaking on how basically the white man takes over the narrative after you die and they release books and they're under these black people's names or whatever and they put little falsehoods in there and they put these movies out that's supposed to be behind black people and it's really a white person really behind it all. You know what I'm saying? Another good point. The movie shows Malcolm putting his head in the toilet, dying his head and... You know, all this other stuff. Of course, he was, you know, he admitted he was having sex with white women and trying drugs. But they never showed the light of his wife after he died and the legacy she carried on and how she got a doctor's degree. They never showed you that. And that is very interesting. But I'm going to move along to another heavy subject. The Michael Jackson stuff. Now, I will say this. When I first listened to Dick Gregory talk about Michael Jackson. Some of his some of his. When you hear some things, you're like, man, it it catches you off. And you're like, I don't know if I really want to believe that. But you got to understand that the truth is scarier than fiction. You got to understand that up there in those hierarchies and, you know, you go up to louder, man, there's some things that will probably blow our mind that we would never assume can be real, that, that we would think that no one would ever try it. But he speaks on Michael Jackson. He speaks on the death of Michael Jackson. He speaks on how they killed him. And in his terminology, from what he's saying, that no, it wasn't drugs that killed Michael Jackson. It wasn't, you know, that story they gave out. That they came in and they assassinated Michael Jackson. Now he claimed it was by a laser to the forehead. I, you know, I don't know enough about that state, you know, but he says the needle holes came afterwards after he was dead already. And we're gonna go and listen to what he has to say about Mike. And then I'm gonna get some comments and get some talking. And we're just gonna do some open talk about some theories that I picked up to from Mr. Dick Gregory. Michael Jackson. I mean, you know him. It's, it seems like the, the, he needed that that fix, that money. It was never enough. It wasn't money. It wasn't about money. He didn't have no childhood. See, y'all always be trying to talk about shit you don't know. He didn't have a fucking childhood. Huh? All right? He had all the money he wanted, all the fame he wanted. Huh? But he never bounced the ball. Huh? So y'all gonna sit there and talk about somebody you ain't never talked to him, huh? Michael Jackson, huh? A child. His mind was a child. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Came one of the most powerful human beings in the world. And they killed him. And when they killed him, this simple 
mathematics. He's getting ready to do the big show in London 50 times. God can't work one city 50 times, what made you think he could? And that childness in him, he never dawned on him. So he's insured. This is your show. So the insurance is on you, not the rest of the people. So he had him insured for $1.5 billion. Hmm? So when they killed him, you mean the Lords of London didn't see them holes in his arm? No, I don't know if y'all caught that or not, but apparently Michael Jackson was insured for $1.4 billion the year he died by um, <clears throat> by people higher than him, let's just say. And it's kind of ironic that this insurance plan was on him. And on top of that, the Beatles catalog became a very important subject in the situation with Michael Jackson. The, the, the thing with Sony was something, you know, also, you know, Sony was ticked off that Michael had basically won the war of getting his masters back. And on top of that, Michael had owned the catalog of the freaking Beatles. He was smart enough to buy the catalog of the Beatles for $48 million back in the day. Then when he died, it ended up being, ended up being worth $2 billion. And guess what? It ain't his no more. And the money ain't go to his family. Let's continue on. Comment section, y'all can chime in anytime. And if y'all... Want to go left or right? Let's go left or right, man. I am getting all this brain food out today. I'm feeling good. And let's get back into this interesting story, man, because I really want to hear what was said next. Hmm? Lords of London, $1.5 billion, and they didn't see these holes. Hmm? You know what? Michael was killed at 2 o'clock in the morning from a laser. Hmm? What's the, 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 the police chief? He's not police chief of New York. Patton, whatever. Well, I was thinking Gates, but that's, no, that's no, before. No. And then four days later, they go into the house and find this bloody shirt of Michael's. And they understand it's like $450,000 worth of jewelry and cash missing. So white boy said, we got to get rid of you, but we'll ease you out. So then he comes and he works in Virginia, which is called the CIA. And now he's the police chief of uh, New York, a fucking criminal, mm. gangster. Mm. Mm. That's what it's about. Well, I thought I thought it was because of the Sony thing. Mm. They wanted he. I, I I believe there was there was. Some but Ill- that's because you don't have the information. Okay. Huh? Okay. I said he was killed by a laser. Mm-hmm. Huh? I just told you it was a bloody shirt in the money. Just public. All you gotta do is go look it up. Huh? I didn't come here to find out what you think. No, I'm just asking. No, 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 you didn't. You said you thought. I'm not interviewing you. You interviewing me. I don't want to hear it. Okay. Huh? But you go do it. I respect who you're going to be. So don't sit here and tell me you thought it was the Sony thing. Huh? What was the Sony thing about? Tell my grandmother. Well, my understanding was that he was going to get the Beatles catalog. He already had it. Huh? Okay. He bought the Beatles catalog, catalog when his people told him don't buy it. Hmm? Mm-hmm. He bought it for $48 million. When they killed him, it was worth $2.5 billion. Huh? Mm-hmm. Huh? Stuff going on in your house, I don't know nothing about. There's a persona out there, I don't know nothing about. But when we're sitting here with respect for one, I don't want to hear what you thought. Mm-hmm. I saw the check, nigga. Huh? 
Mm-hmm. So I got to sit here, what you thought, who cares? Huh? That's all I'm saying. I understand. And then what he didn't know when they came out with the will, mm-hmm. his three children's name was Miss Bell. Mm-hmm. Huh? So the day he was supposed to have signed it. So it's a fake will. It's a fake will. Huh? Mm. That's what I'm saying. Okay? That's all. And so if, if I was over there and he said, well, well, what role did Sony play? Mm. Huh? You didn't say that. I thought I'm not here because of what you think. Huh? Okay. Did Sony have anything? Huh? Huh? That's... Mm. Okay, I'll, I'll ask better. No, you don't have to ask that. I don't no. care. No, I'll phrase, I'll phrase better with you. No, I'm saying, it's already, you already said it. Okay. Huh? And you ain't going to stop that overnight. And I don't want you to stop it overnight. Huh? There's people listening to me that's cleansed when you said what you said. Huh? Because we... Did y'all catch that, man? I'm sorry, man. I cut this guy off. That's how, I'll tell you, that's how pure old he it is with wisdom. He giving you facts, right? And this is to my interviewers out there. Don't you come into their to, to an interview and you got somebody giving you facts and they're giving you wisdom and bring up what you thought. That's why he went off just now. Because the interviewer said, well, I thought it was because of... He said, I ain't here to hear what you thought. I'm telling you what, what happened. <laughs> you got to love Dick Gregory because it's all it's all out of love when he goes off like this. And um, to answer the uh, comment section, we got Rodney Clark who says, who else got their masters and died or disappeared? If I'm correct, in the comment section, look this up for me. I think that Prince actually, um, I, I thought he got a percentage of his masters or whatever, whatnot. But what I can tell you is I know for a fact that Tory Lanez got his masters. And now you see what's going on with Tory Lanez right now, don't you? He just got his masters uh, about six months ago. And he really, really finessed his way out of a contract. He, 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 I mean, he, he won as an artist, which you never see. He dropped another mixtape under his other other people, and he didn't give much effort for it. He didn't he didn't care how it sold. He we, he got out of that contract. He ended up um, having some deals with Rock Nation and Jay Z and them. But in the end, in the end, Torlanes had gotten his masters back. He gotten his masters back, and lo and behold, you got this whole thing with Megan Thee Stallion, and all of a sudden, it went from an argument. To her going back to her camp and Jay Z and them and saying, "Hey man, we need you to say you got shot." Not I ain't gonna say Jay Z said that, but Rock Nation is the people that was in her ear to say, "Hey, you need to say you got shot." And coming to find out, man, it's kind of looking like that she did not get shot, and she kind of they trying to take Tory Lanez out, y'all. So that Masters thing, it's all a game. They don't, they never, you you know, they don't want you to come into the game thinking that, "Hey, I'm gonna be the owner of my Masters. I'm gonna make all this money and you know make my no." They want you to come in and be an employee. Like, you drop the tracks, we provide the loans for your videos and all that stuff. But, oh, yeah, we own the rights to your music, though. <laughs> like, we own this forever. That's how the game goes. So they don't want people coming in the game thinking they can get their masters and, and rolling like that. So Michael Jackson did that. I mean, he almost got the triple I mean, the triple threat on him. He had the masters, he had the Beatles catalog, and he won some, a battle with Sony. So he was a marked man. Michael Jackson was a marked man. Don't get that twisted. You know what I'm saying? We all seen all that stuff with the kids and the children and they trying to say he was raping children and all that stuff. This was all in efforts to take down the power that Michael Jackson had accumulated over time and over being the most powerful entertainer in the world. So he had to be taken out. 
On top of the fact, if you look up before Michael Jackson died, he started talking what they deemed conspiracy talk, but he started saying truth talk. He started telling us, hey, man, the, the school books are lies. They're teaching us lies. They're, they're teaching the children, you know, um, all these lies about how America was founded and how, you know, the, the, the Native Americans were not you know, whatever. I mean, he was just pointing out so much real stuff before he died. OK, before he's killed. And another important part is that Gregory points out that the doctor who was supposedly, you know, there taking care of him or whatever, when he made the 911 call, the 911 people asked him, what is the address to Michael Jackson's home? And he didn't even know it. He didn't know it. Because he wasn't, he was the fall guy. The man who killed Michael Jackson supposedly was the fall guy. That's why he has his license to practice medicine again. He's not in jail. He got slapped on the wrist. Big game. It's a big game. It's a big game. I'm telling y'all. And when you get to the point to where you reach a status to where you can influence real change and have real control, they take you out. They take you out. And some people are, what about Jay-Z? Well, no. Jay-Z knows how to play along the rules, believe it or not. Jay-Z's been playing along with the rules. I know it seems like he stands out now. He he's playing the game the proper way. Well, the proper way to to, to stay where he's at. Um, as far as Michael Jackson, Prince, uh, you can go back to Bob Marley. These guys were real problems, um, and they had to be taken care of. It is just that simple. Just that simple. Let's continue on. No, huh? I told Michael. I got to his house, man. His father called me and said, Michael, need to see you. Michael couldn't go up. His dad mom couldn't go up to the top floor. Huh? So when they sat there and said, when I carried the food up to him. So y'all hear this right here? Dick Gregory is discussing on how, he is discussing on how the father of Michael Jackson called him and said that Michael Jackson is not doing well, he's very sick, and Dick Gregory goes to visit him. And y'all just listen to the story. Everybody knew him, no could nobody go up to the Just just keep up. Mm-hmm. Try to keep up. So I go. Let me get the volume on this thing. Orange County. Father come back and say, Michael wants you to sit in my seat. I go. So now the trial's over that day. We go home. He holds me, feel like an animal. So check that out. He says he visited Michael Jackson and when he seen Michael, Michael hugged him and he felt so skinny, so frail. He felt like like he was dying. And Michael Jackson whispers in Dick Gregory's ear and tells him they're trying to kill me. In which Dick Gregory says, I know. And he asks him, what have you eaten? And Michael Jackson says to him, they will poison me. I don't want to eat. Y'all remember how small, you know, Michael always been a small person. But y'all remember towards the end how skinny Michael was? Michael was literally scared of the people that was around him that somebody was going to poison him or kill him because he knew they was on him. Diggory goes on. Okay, here's the problem we got. I got to slip you out of here today and take you to the hospital. No, they'll get Michael, am I smarter than you? 
Shut up. What we'll do is get a driver and we're going to San Francisco to see a friend. What he didn't know is once we got out the house, when you saw that eight for hospital, that's where I was going. I didn't know where. Nobody knew we coming. So we go there. Five o'clock that evening. Uh, Michael Jackson. Dehydrated. Six o'clock. At six o'clock the next morning, they still putting water in him. The doctor said, thank God for you. Because he'd have been dead. That's how dried up he was. Okay? I know him. Huh? I know him. I know what it's about. Not about Sony. He already had it. Hmm? Already had it. Okay? So, what happened is, when they killed him, the white boys that came in and convinced everybody that Michael had went back with them. Michael had gone back with them, okay? And so the will said that anybody on this will protested, if you lose, you cut out. That's why Mama won't even know where she's getting groceries from now. Hmm? She was cut out. Did y'all catch that? All right, so... Hmm? Long story short, man, he's basically breaking down how bad they did Michael Jackson in which his will that was forged didn't even spell his children's name correctly. The will definitely didn't give any money to the mother of the family or anything like that. And how basically they robbed Michael Jackson, killed, murder, robbed, clean slate with Michael Jackson, y'all. Probably the cleanest murder robbery you could ever think of. A man that's really worth billions ends up dying and the, the assets of his money ends up going to the people who killed him. Not to his family. You see, you can see his Michael Jackson sister. You can look, you can YouTube it right now. Not Janet. Y'all gotta forgive me. I forget the, the other one's name. Y'all can help me out in the comment section. But um, Michael Jackson's family alludes to, hey man, they killed Michael. And they took all the money. They robbed this man. And so with Dick Gregory, he points out a lot of these things. And you look up some of the things that Michael says. You look up some of the things that um that went down. And it's like, man, wow, you really see how dangerous our world is, especially the entertainment world. Makes you not even want to be famous. To be honest with you, me personally, I'd rather make an impact to be famous. That's why I like Dick Gregory. Somebody like that makes an impact. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's not all about fame or whatever. I don't I didn't get into this for fame. And uh thank you comment section. Um Latoya was uh the sister who was referring to uh Michael being killed. Latoya Jackson. And impact is more pivotal than anything. These athletes that we see on television every week that are stars or whatever, 10, 20, 30 years from now, they're not gonna mean nothing. The people that stand out is the people like us here doing real dialogue that can really impact someone out there who's walking around and don't, who's lost. So I just think that, and there was another point I wanted to get to that Dick Gregory spoke on and what really birthed me wanting to speak on him on this show is last week when I was chilling with my little one, 
me and my daughter was chilling and we, you know, I think we was coming home from, um, I don't know, dollar store or something like that. And, you know, my kid is seven years old now. She's kind of coming into her own and she asks questions and she really wants logic behind the answers. Now, you can't just say anything to her. So my kid, she she says, I don't know where she says, so dad, so Santa really gives gifts to everybody in the world on one night. And I looked at her and I said, well, that's the story. And she goes, so Santa goes into our house at nighttime while we're asleep and he goes into everybody's house in the world in one night. And the way she was looking at me, it wasn't a look of confusion. It was a look of, I don't believe that. And it's going to get to a point in our lives where we're going to have to break the cycle in which our, I hate to say it, our oppressors have put on us, probably with the Santa thing. You know, Dick Gregory spoke on it. Dick Gregory said, my mother was, this is Dick Gregory, 84 years old. He said, my mother, my own mother would give me filth to believe. His mother would work three jobs a day, seven days a week. And on Christmas Eve or Christmas night, she would tell us that a white man came in and brought her these gifts for us. Come on now. Come on. Come on now. Some white man. That's, that's what they've done to us. So I'm looking at my child and I'm like, man, where does it get to the point where I just give you that truth? You know, and I told her, I said, honey, as far as our house, your dad and your family making sure that you're getting gifts. You know, because it's going to get to a point, y'all, where we have to break this cycle of lies, basically. And, you know, we look at it as harmless, but let's really think about it. They've tricked us into saying and telling our children that some random white man is going to be giving them all gifts <laughs> if they act good for the year. Like, come on. Come on. You know, so... That's something that, you know, I love. No comment section. How do y'all feel about that? What do you Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'll think about uh, the whole thing with Santa and Christmas, because it is that time of year, and the infatuation that we do early with our children and Santa is something to think about. When do we stop? And the comment section said, Ronnie Clark says, I never told kids this. He never told kids that Santa was, you know, giving them gifts and things. I just think that's something that's very, that's, a, that's, that's something to think about. It really is. And, um, I don't know, man. I feel like that we need to come to a realization that we need to start giving our children real information, start giving them real history. You know, Dick Gregory also spoke on the psychological damage that America has done with us when we tell our children to behave when they see, you know, bad cops, things like that. You know, I'll paraphrase here, but Dick Gregory said, when you tell your child to behave for filth, you make them think there's something wrong with them. 
already. He also alluded to how our parents just tell us that we had to be two times smarter than white people. He saw you automatically making them think that they can't they can't overcome. They already thinking that, well, that's impossible. I'll never be two times smarter than somebody. You know, so it's the filth that's been forced down to us that we give to our children. He also spoke, he said, you look at pictures from children between the ages of one and eight years old. You don't see no hatred in their eyes. You don't see no pimps. You don't see no whores. He saw that came from us. Children are pure when they come into this world. They're pure. We are the ones that give the filth to them. We are the ones that allow them to be exposed to to a lot of filth. He says ignorance is when the baby's crying. And the baby going all baby crying and you yell, oh, shut up. You yell, you know how you've seen it. You know, I've done it. Oh, shut up. He says ignorance. He said the baby is dependent on you. He says, so God shows you it in the bigger life form of police brutality going on. We get shot up. Black folk, we scream, help, 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 help. And what the government tell us? Oh, shut up. Shut up back here like the crying baby. Hmm. That's deep. That's deep right there. That is deep. I mean, just think about that. So when you hear people paraphrase things like that, it's something to think about. You know, and I I encourage all of y'all to take time, to take time and and, and to get into Gregory, excuse me, (laughs) take time into YouTube researches, man. He died a couple years ago. You know, I look at him. I look at Dr. Sebi. You know, I look at these people as, you know, people we need to. We need to definitely carry their, carry their legacy on because, you know, man, it's just it's overwhelming when you look back at it and you see all this information that someone can obtain and all this history that he has. And I just think that we all need to Disconnected. as I disconnect this Bluetooth, I think that we all just need to keep the dialogue going. I really do. And there's so much more that I can dive into with Dick Gregory. I mean, it's just it is just countless videos and books. He, you know, it's so much information. But I think the core base of it is, man, we got to use what's in. We got to realize what the game being played, man. We really do. It's a big game. I know it's a game. You know what I'm saying? And and as to my people in entertainment, like me, just keep your soul. And people are like, man, that's such a broad statement. No, you know when somebody's compromising you. It's never worth to... Com- if you have to sit back and think about something, a decision to where you feel on the inside is compromising your morals, then you shouldn't do it. You shouldn't do it. Okay? Because it's, it's a dirty game. I'm telling you right now. It's a lot of... I've seen enough. Just on my lower level, looking up and being around people who are involved in, in the industry. It's just so many different things that go on. It's people that get blackmailed left and right. I mean, it's just so many different things. Do y'all know that me just in my little world of comedy and I've done my stand-up shows and, you know, I've been around radio, I've been around television, I've been around different things. And I've seen uh, stuff that is reminiscent to what goes on up top in, in the higher levels. I'll give y'all a little story. There was a, a girl, we'll say. And she was a girl, supposedly. <laughs> but what she would do, her thing was to 
find out who was the guys that were coming up around the area. You know, your 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 your, your decent rappers or your party promoters or you know, people that had clout, quote unquote, people who maybe looked like they had money. And what she would do is she would inbox them. She would talk to them and she would get them to talk dirty. And y'all know what she would do? She would say, hey, I'm coming on over there. I want to see you tonight, blah, blah, A couple photos get sent to you. And she'll say something like this. She'll say, uh, just send me a picture. I want to see a picture of you. And you'd be like, well, what kind of picture do you want to see? And you're like, oh, I just want to see you in a picture bent over naked and to a man, to a man. To a man. And these men be like, oh, I don't do stuff like that. And she'll be like, well, hey, you know, here's my address. Or send their address. I'm coming. I'm on the way. I just want to see this to get turned on. Blah, blah, blah. And the men fall for it. This is real stuff here. And they would send her pictures of compromising stuff of them. And then she'll fade off. So oh, I can't make it tonight. Then three days later, she's like, hey, man, by the way, um, I got these pictures of you. Uh, I'm going to need about $250 every two weeks. Just look at me as a bill. A monthly bill. And she would do this with different people. Uh, and the last thing they would want is to her put these pictures out of them and ruin their careers and ruin their lives. And people think that, you know, all these different things. This is the real deal stuff. So that so that was me seeing that on the lower level. I'm like, God damn, I can only imagine what goes on the higher level. So much blackballing and blackmailing and. So I, I say this to my guys, like, do not compromise yourself to my men and women that are in the industry. You want to get higher and come up and all this stuff. Always keep yourself, keep your soul. Because these are people who make real livings off of blackmail for one. That goes over with that man. It's one of the oldest tricks in the book. That's what goes on with Jeffrey Epstein in the island. Had all them high people coming up over there, all them people and, you know, the, the different presidents and different, you know, the political leaders. And they come over there and they do some compromising stuff, take some pictures with some young folks and all that stuff. And guess what? We got blackmail on blackmail on you. <laughs> We're going to need $300,000 a month. <laughs> that's how you find, that's how you keep it going. So don't ever compromise yourselves, man. I mean, um, it's just amazing. And uh, Ronnie Clark says, look for Pro- Professor Griff. I'm going to tell you right now, I cannot forget Professor Griff. Professor Griff was probably, he was the original person that I looked up when I became what they call, quote unquote, woke. Over 13 years ago, I was looking up Professor Griff. And I'm glad you brought him up, actually, Rodney. Very good job. Because Professor, Professor Griff called and predicted so many different things. When Cat Williams was at his peak, Professor Griff said, yeah, y'all watch out for that. They about to come for him. Mm-mm. They come for Cat Williams. I'm going to let y'all know that right now. He said, Cat Williams, y'all remember them pimp, pimp chronicles that Cat Williams was dropping back in the day? In which Cat Williams was talking about getting higher up in the industry and how he was going to these certain parties and all these weird things going on. And he went to a, a, a certain room and there were two men kissing and he was trying to figure out what the hell's going on. What type of party is this? He was talking about stuff that goes on in the higher ups, quote unquote, Illum- quote unquote, Illuminati. And Dick Gregory, excuse me, Professor Griff called out there and said, hey, man, they're going to come get this brother. I'm like, y'all know that right now. They about to they about to come at him. And what happened after that? Probably next three or four years, Cat Williams been arrested probably 40 damn times. Every time he get his career right, he gets arrested. No jail. You notice these no jail sentencing has been going on because it's been all bullshit. Professor Griff was talking about that back back in the day. He spoke on Michael Jackson also. He spoke on Tupac. He spoke on Biggie. 
And you got to understand, these big, powerful black people were not just accidentally taken out. They wasn't just... You got to look at, you know, Tupac and Biggie. It was... You had two men with way too much power, way too much influence. And the way Tupac was talking, they did not need... You know, they were... Gangsta Tupac, fine. They did not... Woke Tupac is what scared them. Woke Tupac speaking on generational wealth and all that stuff and trying to educate black folks and telling us we need to open up our own communities. That was the Tupac that scared them, people. Okay, when they t- you all know why they took him out, they took him out because of that shit. And they made us think that black folks took him out with the East Coast, West Coast beef or some, some crip or something like that. So y'all, you know, to my listeners out there, I got my people in India. My people in India love when I talk conspiracy. I'm going to let y'all know right now, we ain't calling it conspiracy no more. We're going to call it truth talk, baby, because that's what it is. It's truth talk. It is a big game. And um, sometimes, I mean, you could go and research pretty much any major star and you can look up and find something and uh comment section says same thing oprah and bill yes bill the pill did similar to, to Chappelle. um <laughs> i'm gonna tell y'all right now oprah i know you thinking you good and fine they're gonna come for you too in the end just please believe please believe they got Bill at the towards the end, Bill Cotton. They coming for you too, Oprah. Oprah thinks that she's safe. Oprah thinks that she's fine. She didn't play the game so well. She gets invited to the Bilderberg meeting. She gets invited to the, the Billionaire Club meeting. She, I'm telling y'all they're coming for Oprah in the end. Because the things that you look up with Oprah, you see that she's been playing the game too. Y'all look up. Did y'all remember that scandal that came up with Oprah like a year ago when they were just all out of nowhere? People just... Put Oprah Winfrey's name with sex trafficking. Y'all remember that? We was like, what the hell are they talking about Oprah with some sex trafficking? Y'all look, y'all remember that? Look it up. Look it up. And you come and you research that school she opened up over there in Africa and you research what's really going on. Wouldn't really happen. How children came up missing left and right. Well, it looks like Oprah was funneling children to the higher ups for the sex trafficking ring. I ain't look, I'm, I'm telling y'all, look it up. I know it sounds crazy. I want to. I look. I want to support black uh, billionaires myself too. But damn it, hey man, if it's think, it's think, man. You know, people get mad and they say, man, you know, we need to stop downing our black people and you know, you know, calling Jay Z Illuminati because he's successful. Blah blah blah. The white man put that on us. Let me tell y'all something right now. It ain't like people just woke up one day and said they want to call Jay-Z no Illuminati or whatever. This nigga been giving off hints and giving off subliminals and been around certain things and places and people. When you really research him, you really... There's one time I saw Jay-Z in a shirt, in an interview, and the shirt said, do as thou wilt. I'm very deep in my research. That's an interesting shirt, do as thou wilt. I looked it up. The quote came from Aleister Crowley. Aleister Crowley was a man who was a Satanist, one of the big, probably the biggest Satanists back in the 30s and 40s. And in his book, he wrote, do as thy wilt, which means don't do as God, do as you will. Jay-Z's so cerebral and smart, he threw that, he threw that on his shirt back in like 04 and y'all ain't even, nobody even thought nothing. They said, oh, that's a cute little shirt with a little cursive writing on there. You do the research. We didn't wake up and just say that this man is is Illuminati. This man, this man has been showing us that hey man, I'm with the shits. Look up Aleister Crowley and tell me what you see. 
Look up do as thy wilt. That little quote right there. That little small little quote. Do as thy wilt. I'm telling y'all. Jay-Z ain't just... They don't open up the doors for your black ass for nothing. You think they, you really think that they're going to let a rapper get that high? Just because he's smart? Just because he can talk well? To get to where he at? To get around the people who he around? The billionaires and the trillionaires and the... You know, getting deals with the NFL? Come on. The man got a, a deal with the NFL for black folks and Colin Kaepernick, one of the first people to say, hold on, man, I ain't got hell no. Because what he do when Jay-Z, what Jay-Z do when he got up there in front of them white folks? What he do? What he do, y'all? What he do? The white folk put the mic right up on him and say, hey, Jay-Z, how you feel about kneeling? What Jay-Z said? Oh, I think we need to stop. We need to get past the uh, point of kneeling. And... I'm sorry, do what? Did you not hear what Colin Kaepernick said? He said there was a purpose behind my kneeling. I'm kneeling because we're patronizing the damn flag that we're standing up for. We ain't got no damn liberty and freedom out here. We ain't got no justice out here. So why when you claim you doing the fight for black people, you get up there and you say the damn answer they want to hear. Come on, man. Y'all got to think about this. Jay's been playing the game for a long time. And he know how to pop up every now and then and, you know, get some black folks out of a bind. He helped Meek Mill out of jail, whatever, get him out of jail, stuff like that. Or pay for loyal fees. Or... Jay-Z playing the game. Beyonce playing the game. Because they know to stay where they at, they got, you got to go by their rules. You ain't got, you ain't got no damn choice. You ain't gonna, you're not going to just do your own thing when you're a billionaire. You're not going to just, you know, you would think that these black billionaires would get together and we actually make some real change out here, but they know that their game don't work like that. Do you know if we had 10 black billionaires get together and say they really want to make some type of change, they really could? But do you ever sat and thought about why 10 black billionaires ain't got together to do it? Because they know better. They know. Uh, they know better. They know that they, as soon as these people try to organize us to make us better, their money's going to be gone and half the family and probably them going to be dead and gone too. They know the game. That's why it ain't happened yet. They're allowing black people to get money and get rich as long as you play by the game, play the rules. Once you start acting like you about to do some mass awakening, oh, hell no, you tripping. No. We could have been made something happen. I'm telling 10 black billionaires. And there's plenty of them, believe it or not. 10 black billionaires. You put them together. Say we're going to make some real changes and, and, and look at the real change that they could make. Look at the doors they could open up. Look at the land they could buy. Look at the communities they could make. Look at the banking infrastructure that they can try to make. But no, it don't work like that. Because once you start that, they shut you all down. You can look up that, man. That goes back to uh, J. Prince, Shook Knight, and I believe it was P. Diddy. They was talking back in the day about putting together, starting this huge black corporation. Not like a label, but a whole corporation like you have Def Jam and all that. And, excuse me, like you have Sony and all those things. They, they wanted to do that and they was cut short like, hell no, nah, y'all. No, 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 no. It don't work like that. It don't work like that. These main, main manufacturing guys, your Sony and all these people, the money, they stay at the top. Your black ass are the people that put the rappers together and y'all do that shit. Don't think you're going to be the manufacturer. That's the game. And as y'all know, I could talk about this all day long. I really could. I hope I didn't bore any of y'all. I really want to continue talking. This is probably the longest episode we've had on Candy Talk. 
And I've enjoyed every second of it, man. In the comment section, if y'all want more talk like this, y'all let me know, man. I got so much more I want to say. But y'all know how it go. The producer looking at me like, we got to get the hell out of here. <laughs> as always, y'all. As always, it's been a wonderful show. And I want to keep giving y'all truth talk if y'all are here to listen and here to learn. And let me learn, too. But I've enjoyed it. And it hasn't been small talk. It's been candid talk. And I'll see y'all live next week. We out here. Have a great day. I keep it a hundred with every person I meet and every single street nigga I see. I keep it a hundred. I treat the women like they supposed to. They love to spend time around me. I keep it a hundred. The haters explain why I love to live life just being me. I keep it a hundred. What? Nigga, please, the money's the only thing I see. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.